You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, hello again. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, this Saturday and Sunday, awesome, awesome Christmas services. I hope that you are inviting uh, folks and that you are going to be here. It's going to be great. Following our Christmas services on the 30th of December, we've got a great day planned as well. You're not going to miss that. And uh, super excited about January 6th, the first Sunday of the new year. How many of you guys would say that you are ready to kiss 2018 goodbye? You're ready for a new year? Anybody? Like, I'm done with 2018. Let's get to 2019. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, we're, we start a series on January 6th entitled Start Here. Um, you know, a lot of people want that next goal. They want that next uh, habit to form or they want to quit a habit. And so we're going to be talking about how do we accomplish those goals. And, and the, the, the important thing is we've got to start here. We can't wait till all the things in life are aligned. The stars are perfectly aligned and everything's perfect before we can accomplish our dream. We've got to start here because if you want to move forward, it starts here. And so uh, you're going to want to be a part of that sermon series. I'm excited about it. Today we're going to conclude this four-week sermon series that we have entitled Multiply. And uh, today's title of uh, the message is The Motivation to Multiply. So I want to talk to you today about how and, and, and what motivates us to be a part and to give and to serve and to be a part of God's church and his vision, his mission. And so uh, I'll, I'll remind you that nine years ago, this church started. And when we began this church, it was a defining moment. There were about 50 people that decided to prioritize the people in this community who were far from God. They decided to say, you know what, and, and instead of just doing church the way that we like it, we're going we're gonna to do it in a way that we believe will, will help other people experience the gospel. And so they, they put behind them their preferences on music and their preferences on style and we decided to do something that we felt like would connect to the heart of people in this community. And as a result, those 50 people have turned into, nine years later, over 2,000 people that gather here over the weekends in two services. And we've seen uh, God send a church planner to Washington, D.C., where over 100 people are gathering today to worship We've seen hundreds of people get baptized. We've seen thousands of lives transformed. We've gone to five different countries to share the gospel. God has done some incredible things in a short amount of time through this little church. I share all that because today is another defining moment for our church. For many of you as individuals, as well as our entire church, you are going to make a commitment today and give towards the vision of FC, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time sacrificially, uh, and, and you've never really done that before. And so this is a big day for you. It's also a big day because it defines our future as a church. And so as we think about what we give today, we are understanding that it is an unprecedented opportunity for ministry. What we do today is gonna change the shape of not only Maryville, but it's also gonna change the shape of Knoxville as well. Those of you who think of Foothills Church as your church. I've been sharing and encouraging you and challenging you to take this step today and to give extravagantly your first and your best to the vision offering uh, towards the vision that God has given to our church. Now, if, if you're a guest today, if this is the first time uh, that you've ever been here, you picked an awesome day to be here. Um, and I'm, 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 I really believe that. Uh, we're not asking you to give anything today, but we 
are excited that you get to hear a little bit of what we believe God wants to do through us. And so I think it is a, a good day to be a first-time guest here. Um, and, and there are many events in our life that are this momentous defining moment. And I don't know if you are a Nicolas Cage fan, but I, uh, I like uh, the movie called National Treasure. He's probably the worst actor of all time, maybe. But um, I'm sorry if you're related to him. I don't know why you would be related to him you're in Tennessee. But anyway, uh, he uh, is in this movie called National Treasure. It's a really good movie. And there's a moment in the movie where he kind of sneaks into this, this uh, uh, uppity, uppity kind of party, and they're celebrating the, the founding fathers and, and those who specifically signed the Declaration of Independence. And, and somehow, through random events, he gets chosen to give the toast uh, for these uh, men who signed the Declaration of Independence. And so here's what he says in the movie, and I think it's, that's really interesting. He holds his glass up, and he says, To high treason! That's what these men were committing when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Had we lost the war, which seemed likely, they would have been hanged, beheaded, drawn, and quartered, and oh, my favorite, would have had their entrails cut out and burned. So here's to the men who did what was considered wrong in order to do what they knew was right. I love that part of the movie. To me, that just gets me jacked up. Like, that's a defining moment. Think about it. Had these men faltered in this defining moment of their life, had they let fear creep in and cause them to go back to what's comfortable, had they decided that the sacrifice was just too much, think of how different our country would be today. We'd be driving on the left side of the road, stopping for tea at four o'clock every day. Not, not, a, not, a, good, not a good thing. Today is a momentous moment. It's a defining moment in the life of Foothills Church. Today's another scene in the life of our church that's going to set the course for generations to come. It sets the course most definitely for 2019. That's where we're at. But we're also talking about 2020. What we do today is going to impact 2030. It's going to impact 2040, 2050. It's going to impact generations to come. What we do today and in the coming days will impact people for generations to come. We started this series with um, this man named William Carey, who was the first missionary to India. He created the first missionary society, great man of God. And in his first sermon uh, to this society of, of people who wanted to go on mission, and before he left for India, he preached this sermon, and there were two points. And the first one was this, expect great things from God. And then he said, attempt great things for God. (laughs) I love it. Expect great things from God and then attempt great things for God. So my question to you during this series is, are you expecting great things from God? Not just a raise, great things from God in your life. And then are you attempting anything great for God? What a great question for us to wrestle with because how can we expect great things from our God if we are not attempting anything great for him? And so the challenge for you and I is that we would step into this opportunity 
that we would step into this vision, something bigger than my plans, something bigger than your plans, something bigger than any of us could ever possibly dream. We just kind of have a framework and a concept of what we think could happen if we join together and we take these steps as a church. Our vision for 2020, I have told you, is to multiply leaders, to multiply campuses, and to multiply resources. We really believe that if we multiply leaders, we're going to begin to see men and women becoming fishers of men. And if we are truly multiplying leaders, these fishers of men are going to take the gospel to this community like never before, and we believe we're going to see a thousand people get baptized over the next two years. I think it's going to translate also into a thousand people going through base camp over the next two years, taking their first steps, their next steps of faith on the journey of discipleship with us. Super excited about what God's going to do there. We believe that we're going to see a hundred people go through our school of ministry and take that next step of faith and be equipped and be trained in theology and the great commission and leadership and applying that to their life. Some of you are going to do that. We really want to see 20 students go on a summer short-term mission assignment, either to Africa with our church planters there, or London, our church planters there, or, or even into a church plant in, in one, of the, one of the cities in North America that, that God has started, and we want to partner with them, and I hope that you'll go. We want to multiply campuses. I told you that we want to begin a campus in uh, Knoxville in the Bearden area by 2020. We want to multiply our influence, multiply our impact there. The greatest way to reach people with the gospel is to start churches and campuses. And so we want to be one church, but we want to be in multiple campuses. Jesus told the first disciples, I want you to take this gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. Our Jerusalem is our community. Maribel, Alcoa, this community And our Judea is the Knoxville area, the Greenback area, Sevierville area, Lenore City area, all of these areas that are kind of in our geographic region. And so that's where we, that's kind of where we're at. We want to take that step into those geographic areas. Uh, We mentioned also that part of this vision is that a hundred of our partners would go to the Knoxville campus to start that. And so obviously if you live in Knoxville and you travel here to worship, you're going to hopefully be a part of that, but you're going to stay there. So I wanted to be a little bit clearer today that the 100 people that we need are the Maryville, Alcoa, this community people, you and your family that would say, we'll go there for at least a year and we'll be team leaders and we'll be volunteers and we'll help kick this thing off and we'll jumpstart this. And so some of you are going to commit to that. Finally, we said we want to multiply resources. Obviously, with all of the things that we want to do, it's going to take resources for us to be able to accomplish that. But I wanted to wanted to say this today, that God is going to continue to open up doors for us, opportunities. And I don't want to over-strategize these opportunities. We just want to observe these opportunities. And by faith, we want to walk through the open doors that we believe God is opening up to us. The Bible says that God is going to open up doors that no man can shut, and that God is going to shut doors that no man can open. And so our job is to see these open doors and to see these opportunities, and then as God provides, we walk through them. But the reality for me as a leader is that the pace of our multiplication is dependent upon the speed of your generosity. So we're, we're not going to get ourselves into a financial position that we're not able to pay for these things. So we cast this vision. This is what we believe God is, is putting on our heart. These are opportunities that we see God uh, sharing with us. And, and, and so we don't take those steps though until the, the, the generosity of the people uh, is fueling that vision. 
part of multiplying, I told you, was, was parking, and parking is an issue. And so uh, we've asked that at least 200 of you decide to park at our overflow lot, which is next door, to help you find that location. There's a card on the tables when you walk out these doors. It's also in the Connect Center that shows you where you can park, how to get there. And then the, the little path that leads to our campus, it's seriously right next door. So if you can walk about 300 yards without dying, you're a good candidate. You could, you could probably do this, and, and uh, I hope that you will. And ultimately, we need to buy land so that we can build a, a parking lot for us. And, and on that land, we also want to build a counseling center did you know that our community has been identified by our government as one of the top 10 drug-addicted counties in the U.S.? We've got issues here. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of people in this community don't want to talk about that. We want to hide stuff like that, but it's a reality. We need a, a counseling center, not just for drug uh, addictions and issues there. We need a counseling center for all the marriages that are struggling and, 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 and just so many issues. And so we believe that's part of our heart, what God wants to do here. And so we need resources to accomplish that. We need to multiply our resources because we need to do about a, a $15,000, $20,000 renovation in January. Like right now, we need this renovation for our kids' space next door right now. Not to mention the master plan that we are in the process of developing, which is in the West Building, in the open space. The first floor would become our preschool area. The second floor would become small group space for students and staff and classrooms. And so we need to accomplish that too in the coming days. And so the vision is big. There's a lot of needs. We need to multiply our resources. We take these steps as the generosity and, and, and speed of the giving increases. So I've, I've told you that I've got two main goals for the series. I've been saying that the first goal is that 100% of us, every, every single one of us, me included, that we would take our next step of faith, whatever it would be, and that, that we would take that step. And today is the day that we make that commitment to God. So whatever God has been telling you, whether it's join a small group, start serving, go to base camp, uh, give for the first time, what, whatever it is he's telling you to do, today's the day that you make that commitment to him. And secondly, 100% of us, every single one of us, would give something. We would give our first and we would give our best to the vision here today towards this vision offering. And we are also asking you to make that commitment as to what you're going to give in 2019 as well. And so today's the day we get to celebrate that together. Last week, uh, I shared that you build what you love. You build what you love. Uh, givers that please God are ready to give. They plan to give. And they are cheerful when they give. Uh, last week, it, was, it, it snowed. You remember? It's been a fast week, but it, it snowed. It was beautiful. And uh, hey, if you're a volunteer that served outside last week, raise your hand. Where are you guys at? Hey, can, can we give a little woohoo for these folks? They did awesome last week. Love those volunteers. Love you guys for shoveling snow, directing people. It was really cold outside, but you guys did an amazing job. And, and uh, yeah, last week was, was great. And uh, we were to be a cheerful giver. It's kind of this reminds me of the story of the mom who was trying to teach her daughter how to be a generous giver. And so she gave her daughter a $5 bill and a $1 bill. And she said, honey, uh, today when they pass the offering buckets, I want you, you to decide which one you're going to give to God, the, the $1 bill or the $5 bill. And so the offering bucket started to pass, and, and the mom could see the little girl was like really all the wheels and, uh, were turning in her mind. What is she going to give? Should I give the dollar? Should I give the $5 bill? And so she's wrestling with it, and the buckets come by the little girl, and she chooses to put the $1 bill in the bucket. 
And so after the service, the mom comes to the little girl and says, Honey, I, I noticed that you gave the, the, the $1 uh, to the church today. Hey, that's so great. I'm so proud of you. Can, hey, can you tell me, why, what, why did you choose to do the $1 instead of the $5? And the little girl said, Well, the pastor said that God loves a cheerful giver. So I thought it'd make me a lot happier if I gave the one instead of the five. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of truth to that. We've all been there, right? Uh, what's interesting, though, is that even as a grown adult, sometimes we think that, like that little girl. We, we think that if I, if I keep more for myself, it's going to make me happier. But the Bible actually teaches the exact opposite. The Bible says that if we're not, if we're not willing to be faithful with, with what God has given to us, that, 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 that blessing and that reward doesn't come our way. I, I think for us as adults in the room, students in the room, we've got to get to a point to where we understand this, that, that too often our motivation is for more. We think if I give more, then I'm going to get more. And, 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 and the reality is, if I, if I hang on to more, God doesn't get, give me more. If I hold on to more, God doesn't give me more. My mentality is, I got to keep more to be happier. And that's the struggle of our flesh, and that's the struggle of our sinful desires. The Bible says, you know, if, if we're going to be like God, we're going to be generous for God so loved the world that he gave. So the more we become generous, the more we become like God. And so I want to turn to Matthew chapter 25 and look at a story that Jesus tells. It's called the parable of the talents, and it's a story that Jesus uses to teach us about stewardship. It's a, it's a story that he is telling us in, in, in helping uh, the, 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 the early disciples understand that he is coming back, and he does have an expectation on what he has given to us. And, and so let's turn to it. verse 14 of chapter 25. Jesus says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. So according to his ability, he blessed them with a certain amount of talents. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Notice, when we are faithful with what God has given to us, he calls us good and faithful, and then he blesses him with more. Verse 22, and he also said to the one who had two talents, he came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scatter no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. 
But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A few things that we learn from this parable. The first thing that we learn is that God has gifted each of us with a certain amount of talents and resources and gifts. Some have five, some two, some one. Every single person in this room, God has gifted you with a certain amount of time left on this planet. He's gifted you with your health. He's gifted you with the money that he's gifted you with and the abilities that he's given you with. And so we're called to be a a steward, a good, faithful steward and manager of all of those resources, all the things that God has given to us. And so he's gifted us, every single one of us, according to his purpose and his will. The second thing that we learn is that God expects you to use those resources for his kingdom. So he expects you to use the time that he's given you to advance the kingdom. He expects you to use those skills and talents for his kingdom. He expects you to use those, uh, the, the resources, the money he's given to you to advance his kingdom. The master came back. And by him coming back, it shows us that there is a level of accountability in our relationship with God. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is going to return. And when he returns and we meet him, I think there's going to be at least that one question that he asks us. Hey, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with that? How did you spend your time? How did you spend your money? How did you spend all of those skills and abilities that I gave you? Oh, you built, you, you built a lot of uh, things for yourself. Oh, you, 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 your kids played a lot of sports. Great. Oh, your kids went to college. Oh, that's all great. What did you do for the, what did you do for the kingdom? I think that's going to be a question that this parable teaches us. I think thirdly, when we don't use our abilities for the kingdom, they can be taken away. The man that was given one talent, he didn't use it for the kingdom of God, and he takes it away from him, and he gives it to the man that had ten talents. He didn't necessarily do anything evil with that talent. He just didn't do anything with it. And for many of us, we might be wrestling with that concept. Like, we're not doing anything necessarily evil. I'm not going to jail for what I'm doing but you're not really doing anything for God's kingdom with what he has given to you. Some people question, like, why? why? What prevented this man from doing this? What prevented the the third guy from doing anything with the resources? And scripture says that he was afraid. You know, we make a lot of decisions based on our fear, don't we? We're afraid. If I give to God, then I'm not going to have enough for me. It's the idea, like that little girl I, talk, I was just talking about, like, if I keep more for me, I'll be happy. But when our desire is for more, then we don't get the more that God promises to give to us. It's just a matter of faith. It's just a matter of faith. See, the bottom line is, you and I have to do the right things with the good things that God has given to us. He's given us so many good things. He's given you a family. 
He's given you a job. He's given you health. He's given you time. God has been so good. You know the gospel. You're committed to the Lord today. I mean, God has been so good to you. He's given you so much. And so what he, is, what he desires from you and I today is that we would do the right things with the good things that he has given to us. And so I would say we've got to begin to understand this. We've got to begin to understand that God is, is giving us these good things, not just so that we would have a good and easy life or to send our kids to college or to buy a lot of presents this Christmas. He's blessed you financially to be a blessing. He's blessed you so that you would do the right things with these good things. And so it comes down to simple math a lot of times. A lot of people say, well, if I had more money, then I'd be generous. We've all probably, you know, when we were in college and we were broke, you know, or, or, or whenever, like we all probably thought that. And, and some of us think we're still broke today. And, and uh, I'll be generous when God gives me more. And, and uh, that, that, that's just a lie from the enemy. Like you, you, you can be generous and, and have a low income because it's not about the amount. It's about the heart and the, and, and, and the proportion that is return to the Lord. I mean, if you're making $30,000, you should be giving $3,000 to God's church and asking, how can I give more to God's vision? If you're making $300,000 a year, then you should be giving $30,000 to the Lord and asking, how can I give to God's vision? Three million, 300,000. How can I give more to God's vision? No matter what we make, the, the idea is I want to give a proportion back to God and I want to continue to see and ask, how can I become even more? generous. Now, how do we get to that point? How, how can we, how can we like take a step towards that today? And, and I would say it, it, it really is impacted by what motivates you. What motivates you to be generous? What motivates you to serve? What, what motivates you to be a part of a growing church or the mission of God? And, and so today I want to close with just what motivates me? What motivates me? And, and maybe that will inspire you and encourage you today. So I want to give you five things really quickly. The first thing that motivates me is I believe I have a responsibility to the gospel. I have a responsibility. And so in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, Paul says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. So God has given us the gospel. We understand this message of hope. And so understanding this precious, precious gift, there's, an, there's a level of responsibility. There's a level that says, okay, I can't just hoard this message. I can't just, you know, guard this message because it has been entrusted to me. I've got to be diligent and intentional in whatever way possible to share that message with other people. I believe that there is an obligation, a responsibility to do this. Martin Luther, the great reformer and a German pastor, he said, God doesn't need our good work, but our neighbors do. <laughs> I love that. God doesn't need our good work. He doesn't need me to build his kingdom. He doesn't need me to do anything great. He doesn't need me to preach this message, you know, for him to be God or for him to build his kingdom. But, but our neighbors do need our good work. I think the same could be said financially. God doesn't need our money, but our neighbors do. Our neighbors need us to care about them. Our neighbors and, and those who are unreached with the gospel, they need us to be generous. So the Lord gives us time and talents and treasures, not simply so that we would enjoy them ourselves, but so that we would, we would glorify him and enjoy him by living for him and serving him and his people. So there's a responsibility to the gospel. But secondly, there's obedience to the gospel. 
I believe to be obedient to the gospel, then I need to be generous towards that end of taking this message to the world. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, you're going to find your heart. Wherever my treasure is, that's where my heart is. I want Jesus to have my heart. I, 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 want, I want Jesus to be the king of my heart. And so if I want to see that happen more, then I need to begin to give my resources more to God's kingdom. Because if it is true what Jesus said, then wherever I begin to put my resources, my heart is going to follow. Just logically makes sense. And at some point, as a follower of Jesus, we, we can't just roll our eyes at passages like this and say, churches just want my money. That's not the issue at all. But at some point, we either believe the promises that Jesus makes or we don't. And you're the only person that can make that call. I don't want to give simply because I'm obligated. I give because I want to be obedient, because I want Jesus to have my heart. Thirdly, it's because of the relationships for the gospel. We need relationships for this gospel to uh, begin to spread even further. And so as a church, we gather together like-mindedness, and we gather here for this purpose, and together we can make a difference. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 3 speaks to this. I love this passage. It'll be on the screen. Verse 5, Paul says, what then is Apollos? Apollos was one of the leaders in the Corinthian church. He says, what is Paul? He says, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. In other words, Apollos was leading some people to Christ. Paul was leading some people to Christ. And, and his, his, his question is, who are either of these two guys? Like, we, we're, we're nothing. Verse six, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In other words, we all play a part. Paul is saying, I planted some, Apollos came and watered, but it's God who gives the growth. It's God who does the life transformation. Verse seven, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. In other words, we're a team. We're working together. We're planting, we're watering, and together we're working so that we can see God grow people's hearts. And he says, and each will receive his wages. Wages, that's the rewards that we're gonna receive in heaven. Yes, blessing here on earth, but, but let's, let's think also eternally, these amazing rewards that God is going to give to us for our work here. And he says these rewards are given to us here in verse 8, according to his labor. So according to our labor on earth during this time, he's going to reward us according to how we give, how we serve, how we love. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. What he's saying here is that we're a team. So you may not be preaching the sermon, you may not be singing the song, but how you are watering, how you are investing in the ministries and life of this, of this church matters. It matters a great deal. And together, when we come together with like-mindedness, listen, we're not going to agree on everything. We're different. We may not root for the same team. We, not, we may not get to hang out with each other every week, but we have decided that we are committed to one thing, the most important thing, which is that we are here to make disciples. That's why we're here. And so as a church, we rally around that vision. And the reason why relationships are important for the gospel 
is because when everybody does a little, we can do a lot. When you do a little, we can do a lot. Just imagine if everybody here today gave their first and their best. If every 100% of us did that, then we believe wholeheartedly that God would, in fact, do everything that he is calling us to do. We did a little bit of research. And statistically, it's, it's showing us that about 20% of the people uh, who are attending Foothills Church are giving regularly. So that means that there are 80% of the people who are attending regularly who aren't giving regularly. So there's good news and there's bad news. Which one do you want first? I'm just going to say. So the, so the bad news is that there's a lot of people who, who aren't trusting God with their, with their finances. The good news is, is this. You ready for the good news? The good news is that God has already provided all the resources that we need to accomplish this 2020 vision. He's already given it. The question is, are you going to return it back to him? I believe it's already here. It was in the first service. It's here in the second service. Everything that God wants us to do is here. We just have to ask our, our, ourselves the question, are we going to do our part? Are we going to give our part to the vision? If we do, we're going to have everything that we need to do everything that he has called us to do. Let's continue in verse 10 here. Verse 10, Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Paul is saying, I planted this church, okay? I, I have laid this foundation and now others are building upon it. And so he plants the church, he leaves, Apollos is there, other people are there to build the church up. We, we've planted this church, I'm not gonna be the pastor here forever. In fact, some of you won't be here forever, you're gonna move, get a different job. One day we're all gonna you know, pass away and guess what? By the grace of God, there will be others that will build upon the work that you and I started here. As we start a campus in Knoxville, we start it, we build the foundation, but generations from now, people will be building upon that work. And you say, yeah, but nobody really knows what I'm doing, and Trent, you didn't high-five me, and you didn't share my story. Listen, you're not doing this to get recognized from me. Or I don't do this for any, like, God sees everything that you're giving. He's the only one that you're trying to please today. He's the only one that I'm trying to please today. And so Paul says, I, I, I laid the foundation. Others are going to build on it. He says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Take care. You build what you love, right? And so we've got to take care how we, how we build upon this foundation as a church, as a man of God. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. In other words, if the foundation isn't Jesus, it's not going to last. The church isn't going to last Hey, if your marriage isn't built on the foundation of Jesus, good luck with that lasting. If, if, if your family, if your business, if, you're, if, if your life is not built upon the foundation of Jesus, then it's, it's not going to last, he says. Take care. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. He says, if you build with gold, silver, stones, the day is going to reveal how you built your life, what you built your life with. 
Because if it's with gold, stone, silver, precious stones, all these material possessions, judgment day is going to happen and it's going to be revealed. How's it going to be revealed? Here he says it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Think about it. What, what burns up? <laughs> Everything material. All your gold, all your stocks, all your 401k, whatever house you own, everything that we own, all the material possessions we have, it'll be gone. We don't take any, anything with us. The only thing that lasts forever are people. It's the only thing. The souls of, of men and women in this world last forever. It will not burn up. So the, so the, the, the call for us is that we must be careful how we build our life. How are you building your life? Is it on the foundation of, of Jesus Christ? And then the question is, what are you building your life with? Is it just a bunch of material things, a bunch of material possessions? Because if it is, one day when you face the Lord, he will reveal that it was all worthless. However, if you're able to use the things that God has given to you and to use that for God's kingdom, and you're investing in the lives of people, and people are coming to know the Lord, then he says that's going to be an eternal reward that you will enjoy forever. So I don't know about you, but God's blessed me in a lot of ways, and the ways in which he's blessed me, uh, it brings joy to our life. We, we have fun together as a, a, a family, and nothing wrong with using what God has given to you to bless your kids, bless your family. There's just that other side to where we say, okay, well, how much is too much? At what point do we say, okay, the house, the car, okay, at what point is, is, okay, this is what we can live off of and all this other stuff we don't, at what point do we say, okay, here's the proportion that we're actually going to dedicate to the Lord and, and we're going to make that decision based on what the Bible says. And I'm just telling you, when you do that, God blesses you in incredible, incredible ways. He blesses you with more responsibility. He blesses you with more leadership, more influence. Yes, financial, all kinds of things that God does in your life. The fourth thing that motivates me to give is the future of the gospel. The future of the gospel. So the next generation matters to me. It matters to our church. And so when I think about the future of the gospel, it motivates me to give. Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18 says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Man, that's, that, that fires me up. I care about the next gen. I care that we are, we are raising up a generation of passionate followers of Jesus. I don't believe that they're the, they're the leaders of the future. I believe that they are the leaders now. I believe they can do a lot more than what we give them credit for. I think we need to listen to them. I think we need to elevate them. I think we need to invest in them. And everything that we do at this church, in large part, thinks through the lens of how can we reach the next generation. Pastor Landon um, was sharing in our meeting this past week that there was a student who was meeting with his friend uh, to share the gospel with him. 
And so uh, Parker Cup is, is one of our students here and been here for a few years, his family. And, and so he's, 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 he's asking for prayer because I'm meeting with a friend at school and I'm going to share the gospel with him. He started coming with me and he's asking a lot of questions and I don't, I don't know what my next step is. And so, so in our staff meeting, we prayed for Parker. We prayed for this young man. Landon's equipping him and trying to give him, you know, the, the, the things that are going to help him in these discussions. And praise God, he led that, little, he led that, that student to Jesus this, this week, and we baptized him after the first service. I want to invest in more Parker Cups. I don't know about you. I want to see that happening because here's the reality. How many adults in the room did that this week? Did that this year? You see, I want to invest in the lives of those who care enough to take that message to the coffee shop or to the home and begin to share that with people to see real life transformation happen. Yeah, I care about the next gen, but you know what? You, you, can, you can put the next generation in the back seat if you want to, pretend like they're not there, just ignore them. If, if, if we don't, you know, if we want to put them in the back seat and not think about them, it's, it's a lot easier. If we want to put them in the back seat, we can just sing whatever music we want to sing and we don't have to really care about what the music sounds like. If the next gen takes a back seat, it doesn't cost as much, don't have to renovate, don't have to fix up, don't have to do a bunch of the stuff that we have to do. If the next gen takes a back seat, the cleaning fees are a lot cheaper. I can guarantee that. A lot cheaper, right? If the next gen takes a back seat, it's a lot safer for you and I. If they take a back seat, it's a lot more financially secure for me and, and for you. But if we decide to do this, it's going to cost us a lot. But the rewards are going to be so much greater. I don't know about you, but I want to invest in the next generation. So the future of the gospel is a burning desire in me that motivates me to give. And finally, the king of the gospel motivates me to give. You see, the king of the gospel, his name is Jesus. And one day, I'm going to stand before him. And just like the parable of the talents, I'm going to have to explain to him, and he's going to ask me, what did you do with what I gave you, Trent? What did you do with the influence? What, what did you do at Foothills Church? What, what did you do to lead them? What, what did you do with your wife and your children? How did you lead them? What did you do with the resources that I gave you, Trent? And I'm going to have to respond to him. And, and for some of us, I hope it's motivating to realize that like when we stand before him, we want to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I've had people tell me over the last month or so as I've shared more and more of this that this vision is too much. Actually had somebody say, we've got this building, we need to focus on you know, this building. We don't, we don't need to plant more campuses. We don't, we don't need to focus on anything else financially, Trent. This is too much, it's too big. In fact, it's never gonna happen. There's no way this can happen with every, right, what we have right now. It just can't happen. And my response is, why? Why can it not happen? Why is it so big that God can't give us some money to buy a few acres for a parking lot? Why is that so big? Why is it so big to think that our God, the creator of the universe, cannot give us the resources to build a, a counseling center? Why? Why can we not do that? Why can we not create a, 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 another campus that meets needs in the city of Knoxville? Like, why is that financially out of God's resources? 
He may choose to give us the money. He may say, here's the building, use this. My response is not, man, it's too, it's too, like, I can't do it. My response is, God, I pray it's not too small. Lord, I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't want to get to the end of my days and think, couple of acres of land was the biggest thing that I thought of well that's weak no I want to attempt great things for God I don't know about you but I want to be a part of a church and a part of a group of people that think the same way that don't sit back and, 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 and cry and say, God, it's, not, it's just too much and I don't know. Like, no, we're going we're gonna to see the doors that open. We're going to cast the vision. We're going to see the needs. And then as people give, Trent, you run through that door. You don't let anybody stop you. You don't let yourself stop you. You don't let your friends stop you. You don't let people in the church stop you. When the church is united, the elders are with us, we want to run through that door. And so the, the opportunity for me and for you is that we would, we would begin to feel that vision and we would see where God would, would have us go. And uh, today is the day that we actually respond. And so the cards that you brought with you or maybe were handed to you, if you want to go ahead and grab those and get those out, there's two blanks on that card just to kind of walk you through that really quickly. It's pretty simple. But the first blank is what you're going to give today to the vision offering today. So you write that amount in there. You can put your check in there. Or if you've given online or you're about to give online, you can go to foothillschurch.com give. You can give online today. Even if you do give online, I'd love for you to go ahead and fill that card out and turn it in just so we have record of that. The second blank is what do you plan to give in, in uh, the next year? What is that, what does that next year's commitment look like for you? So you, here, here's what I'm giving today, and then here's what I want to give in 2019, over and above, towards the vision of the church, God's church. And so as you're completing that today, I want to close with a prayer that I've been praying uh, for this church for a long time, usually on days like this where it's a momentous day, a defining moment. This is a prayer that, that I've prayed and asked God to pray. And, you know, as Mike and I, my wife, over the last four weeks have been praying about what, what we give. Yesterday, we came together and we hadn't decided together on a, on a <clears throat> number yet. And so I, I gave her a post-it note. She took a post-it note. I took one and uh, we turned. We didn't look. We wrote down a number that we felt like God was telling us to. And then when we turned back around, we put it on the table and it was the same exact number. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Uh, I didn't have the energy to fight about this today. <laughs> no, we wouldn't have fought about it. But it was confirming that, that, hey, this is the number that God laid on both of our hearts. And so he kind of looked at each other and said, well, how are we going to afford that? <laughs> so, well, I don't know. I just know that's the number I heard. And that's what we're going to do. And so she and I uh, gave in the first service. She and I are more bought in and committed to this church than ever before. We're not going anywhere. This is our home. This is, this is the place God has called us. And so we run 
uh, towards this vision, and I pray you do too. Let's ask God's blessing as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we bow before you once again as we begin to envision the next step for our church, another defining moment. And Lord, our prayer has been when we started this place, will continue to be that we would ask you, Lord, to make Foothills Church a place where Jesus Christ is treasured above all things, even more than buildings and campuses and parking, that this would be a place where thousands of people meet Jesus and are saved by him, where thousands of children grow up in gospel-centered truth, where thousands of teenagers see Christ as more desirable than the lies of culture, where adults are wakened by the glory of God in the face of Jesus, where discipleship is craved and held in high esteem where men are not afraid to teach the Bible and lead their wives and love Jesus, where small groups don't gather to gossip, but they gather to spread the gospel, where young boys look up to older manly men and think bringing their Bible to church is powerful and they do the same thing, where young girls see older women who dress modestly and carry themselves with grace and love, where thousands of missionaries are called and nurtured and sent to the unreached people groups of the world, where marriages are made strong and single men and women are sold out for Jesus, where worship is humble and authentic and God-centered and Bible-saturated, and where people of all races feel loved and respected in racial harmony, and where the cause of justice is trumpeted. God, may your blessing and may your hand fall upon Foothills Church afresh and anew, that we would experience a fresh spirit and a fresh revival, a fresh movement of the Holy Spirit transforming lives and moving us in a deeper relationship with you. We want to worship you today, and we want to praise you today. May it be so. May it be so. As we close today, I want to ask that we would stand together and that you would bring your commitment card and you can see the giving stations here at the front and you can see the giving stations, I think, on the, in the back, on the sides here. And uh, if you would, let's stand. We're gonna worship and I wanna encourage you to take that stand and move now and bring your commitments uh, with your family. Let's do it together. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.